and welcome to episode 394 of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I'm trying to grow as much of our fruit, vegetable and herbs in my garden and allotment. Now it's National Gardening Week here in the UK and this year the RHS is celebrating the feel-good power of plants and gardens, which just happens to tie in with an interview that I had with a young lady called Hannah. That's coming up a little bit later on, but first let's find out what I've been up to over this last week. It is Friday the 23rd of April 2021, St George's Day, my birthday, my nan's birthday, list can go on, but basically it's it's a really good day. Now on a Friday I tend to like to record my weekly updates because what I like to do each night just spend a few minutes doing a little thing, either on the allotment or at home or both. Um, so Every night I've gone down a year and just done a little bit of weeding. I've came home, I've sown some seeds and I've pricked out a few seeds. And in terms of what seeds I've sown, I've sown some French beans, a variety called Swift, which is a dwarf variety. First time I've tried this variety, so I'm looking forward to this. A variety of courgettes called Trombacino. Now I've tried these before and these are quite big courgettes. But again, we'll see how they go. I would actually class them more as squash, but the seed packet does say courgettes. Some coriander. I do like to grow coriander, another herb we grow a lot of. Some more nasturtiums. I'm trying to grow a lot of nasturtiums this year. Some more Welsh onion. Now, I did make a sowing of Welsh onion a couple of months back, but they failed, so I'm trying again. And some tree spinach. Now, I've never grown tree spinach before, but I did have a, a pot that I brought once. So we're going to be comparing that and just see how it gets on. It's going to be interesting to grow tree spinach, actually. Then in terms of the plants that I've pricked out, so tomatoes, crimson cherry and crimson crush. Two varieties that I've pricked out of tomatoes, and they're both the blight-resistant varieties, so we're looking forward to seeing how they get on. I've pricked out some asparagus pea. Now, last week I had to make a second sowing of asparagus pea because this sort dried out, and I've lost a lot of asparagus pea. So we're hoping this second sowing is going to make up for it. Early jalapeno chilli peppers, looking forward to those. Some cucumbers, some broccoli, the Rab 60, which I've got to admit I'm not a fan of, but I'm just trying it again. I keep trying. And some habanero chilli peppers. So basically, love of sowing and planting going on. I'm looking forward to it. Got lots and lots of little plants all over the place and greenhouses are getting rather full up. It is Saturday the 24th of April 2021, just at home today, and I'm in my greenhouse, and I'll explain about that in a moment, but firstly, outside. Now, last week you had heard me talk about my wildlife area, and I've been continuing on with that adventure. So last week we cleared most of the weeds out of the way, but there was a small area still left to do, and I've been working on that, clearing out more of the weeds. And then added to that, during the week, I've actually been dropping some of my herb pots into the front just to see how they look and if I'm happy with where I'm placing them. So far, I've got to say, yeah, I think I am happy with what I'm doing with them. Now, I've also scattered some seed, the wildflower seeds, the two packets that I spoke of. But what I've had to do and this is partly because of the fact I've got chickens, I've had to put my net hoops over them so that the birds and the chickens particularly don't ruin these seeds because I know the, the chickens would see the seeds and go for it straight away because it's for them. They think it's their snacks and it's not 
So overall, I'm happy with that little area. And now, with regards to the rest of outside at the moment, it's still in that slightly too early stage to do anything. A couple more weeks and it's going to be ready for planting. So at the moment, we're just holding off doing too much outside. But the beds are ready. In fact, some of my potatoes are starting to grow, so I'm happy with that. But in the greenhouse, however, it is a completely different story. So strawberries, they are flowering and we're even getting very small strawberries developing. So that's going to be good. I've put these in here particularly on purpose to get some early strawberries. And then I've got a lot of tomato seedlings and other seedlings in my root trainers and other things that they seem to be doing well. Basically, they are taking up a huge amount of room in this greenhouse set. I'm at the point where this greenhouse should now be ready for growing my plants. So in here, I've also had my banana tree. I've got a peach tree and some other tender plants, which I've started putting outside now and I'll bring them back in at night. But they were taking up the room on the bed. Now that they're not doing that, the peach tree will actually stay in here to at least mid-May, to be honest. It won't go outside at all because of the risk of peach leaf gull. But certainly the banana tree and the other tender plants, they can start going out during the day and just come back in during the night. But this frees up the main bed. And what I've got in here, I've got some tomato rings, which are basically, I've got three of them. They're like a plastic container. In the middle is a large conical hole that you fill with compost and I've potted up tomato plant in each one. And then it's got a ring on the outside that fills up with water when I water it and just slowly trickles in waters the roots of the tomato plants and should, in theory, lead to bigger some plants. Hopefully it's going to work. Now, I did think about this as I was doing it or after I'd done it really in that actually these conical tomato hoops would probably be better outside. Reason being, in here I've got my automatic watering system, Irrigator Flow Pro 12, which every three hours just trickle feeds all my plants, especially if I've directed the water to where the plants are. So in terms of watering, it's probably not so good in here, but I think I'll try it for this year and see how it gets on. And if it is a success, and then next year I can always use them outside. Um, I, I quite like them. I quite like the idea. And I've seen a lot of people have a lot of success with these in, in various places. So yes, that is it. The greenhouse is basically now operational. We've got three tomato plants in the ground where they want to grow. The peach tree is going to, at the moment going to be where I want cucumbers. But once the banana tree and everything else is hardened off, we can make a bit more room and then start getting the cucumbers in there. And then basically on the, the other side where I have all my root trainers, my little seedlings, we're probably going to be using that for pots so of chilies and things. So we don't actually really use the bed um, as such. But, we'll, but uh, yeah, that's a greenhouse for you. That's all set up and ready to go. <laughs> it is Sunday the 25th of April 2021 today. I've spent a few hours on the allotment. It's a hive of excitement going on today. A lot of people down here attending to their various plots. Now, something that I've noticed during the week, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but my broad beans have pretty much all died back. I noticed a couple of weeks ago, after we had that really cold snap and snow, 
that the leaves had started to turn black and didn't look very healthy. I was keeping an eye on them, but sure enough, they had died back. And well, armed with this information, basically I decided what I was going to do was bring some more plants I had at home and pop those in its place, which is one of the first jobs I tackled. So basically I cleared all the weeds from the bed, pulled back all the mulch, and added more plants and gave them a good watering in. That should get the broad beans off to basically being able to produce us some lovely broad beans, which is what I really want. And uh, thankfully I had these spare ones back at home that weren't really doing anything. Now I followed that up with continuing carrying on with the weeding and watering. Now it's so dry at the moment, so dry, but luckily where I have been watering during the week and keeping on top of the weeding and adding the mulch, it's not a huge problem. Now, when I reached my asparagus bed, I noticed I had a few spears of asparagus poking up, which I've harvested, and we're going to use that for our tea a bit later on. But one of our favourite things is asparagus, especially the first asparagus that we get. Now, on the top half of my allotment, which is the newer half of my allotment, as I sometimes refer to it, I've got areas where nothing is growing at the moment. We've got the free potato beds. Now, the potatoes are just starting to show themselves, so that's rather pleasing. But then I've got areas where nothing is really growing and I've been running over those areas with the hoe but what I noticed in some areas I sowed some phacelia uh, during the autumn or early winter last year as a green manure well where I had grown this phacelia no weeds were growing underneath it when I cleared away the phacelia had some nice clean soil I think this is really interesting because what this tells me is that one, yeah, every time I have a spare space, especially over the winter, I'm going to grow Facilia because it acts as such a good weed suppressant and hopefully it'll help prevent my cooch grass returning. And also it's added a bit of life to the soil. It's added some good looking plants that have seemed to have done quite well just growing over the winter. Anyway, yeah, it's it's looking good. I think we are at the point now where we've just got to keep on top of the weeds and keep on top of the watering, but we are soon going to be getting a lot more plants into place down here and uh, getting this system off to a really good start. Right, well that is it for this week's diary section. What have you been up to in your own allotments and gardens? Please do let me know. Right, it's time for a commercial break. Well, hopefully you're enjoying this podcast so far. We'll be back with the content in just a moment, but I just want to take this opportunity to ask if you would consider becoming a member of the VegCrowd Podcast Supporters Members Club. It costs just £5 a month, and for that £5, it enables me to keep the podcasts going and encourage more people to grow their own food. But in return... What you will get for that £5 is each month you get several packets of seeds sent directly to your front door and these seeds can be sown in that corresponding month. Added to that, you will get behind-the-scenes podcasts, videos, blog posts, a lot more content for your money. To find out more and become a member, head to thevegroundpodcast.co.uk and click on the Supporting Members link. 
It's National Gardening Week, a yearly celebration of the role that our gardens play and our love of gardening. It's a chance for us all to go and share our experience in gardening, talk about gardening and basically just share our love of gardens and gardening. Now this year the RHS has recognised the importance of gardens and green spaces has played over this last year for our well-being and our mental health. And I think it's very important that we acknowledge that gardens have been so good for our well-being, especially if you're a gardener or just going out in the local parks for a walk and taking in the scenery and taking in the, the green spaces. A few weeks ago, I chatted to Ellen Mary on the podcast and she spoke about her People Plants Wellbeing Studio on her website. And I'll add links to that website, but I urge everyone to go and have a look at it and read the stories from several people, including myself, of how gardening has helped with their wellbeing or through some particularly tough times. Tonight I'm joined by Hannah. Now Hannah is the director for a garden centre by the name of Perrywood Garden Centres and she also runs her own website thecactussurgeon.com. Now thecactussurgeon.com is all about how being out in nature and gardening helped her through a particularly traumatic time in her life and sharing her story. But I also want to find out more about how garden centres are coping at the moment. So without much ado, Hannah, let's find out a little bit about where you began and your background. Background. Yeah, okay. So I suppose the most interesting thing was when I was six, we moved to live next to a garden centre. So mm-hmm. my grandparents had a four acre small holding, and my dad got into growing plants. He worked for the local parks department. And then he went back to his father and, and said, you know, I want to grow some crops, grow some, put some greenhouses up. So we left the parks department, went back to Perrywood, and he kind of started to grow grow it into a garden centre really and then my mum and dad bought it in 1984 moved there with me my two younger brothers so I was six they were four and two um and we moved into a caravan while the house was built up it was a tiny bungalow and they wanted another floor so we lived in a caravan so my childhood was was quite unique um I think in in that respect um grew up with the business literally on our doorstep um we lived and breathed it my dad worked seven days a week and he's actually 70 this year. He's not quite doing seven days a week, but he still, he still works really hard. <laughs> so we grew up yeah. with, you know, plants um, around us. I was very connected with the seasons. You know, we talked about the weather every day. We talked about plants every day. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my background, really. You've basically been brought up in a garden centre. Yeah, literally brought up on bone meal, I, I think, is <laughs> the best way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Now I, I visited your garden centre a couple of years ago when we were yeah. when we were allowed to travel, mm. and I've got to say I was actually quite impressed with the garden centre that I I saw there that day. How's the garden centre business going at the moment? Because I'm hearing lots of different stories going on. Uh, it's really busy, which is fantastic. Obviously, a year ago we were closed and we didn't know what was going to happen. You know, mm. it was quite scary as a as a business owner to know what what was going on. Fast forward to now, and it's been amazing. The demand that we've had since we reopened has not really stopped. And people are gardening much earlier this year than we would normally see. So even with, you know, we've had frost recently, but we've mm-hmm. sold, we sold out of um, autumn and winter bedding, you know, the pansies and the primulas and things um, virtually a couple of weeks ago. And people are now buying 
um, you know, the tender bedding plants. We've got lots of signs up saying, please protect from frost. But, you know, they're, they're, they're wanting to buy the spring bedding. And, yeah, they're, they're going for it. They're, there's trolleyfuls coming out. People are, you know, the average transaction is, is high. People are really going for it in their gardens. And I think, you know, even this summer with things easing, people are still going to be entertaining in their gardens a lot. They're not going to be traveling abroad. Um, mm. People have got more into houseplants. Houseplant sales are up. Um, you know, they're on, a, on an upward trend anyway, and they're, they're still going up. We're, we're just amazed at, you know, the amount of those going out. People are growing their own a lot. So, you know, it's, it's been absolutely brilliant. I'm, I'm, you know, we're in a really good place compared to a lot of other businesses. Yeah, yeah. And I guess especially compared to a year, this time last year, when, mm. you know, a lot of us were furloughed and we were screaming out that we want to want to get yeah. plants. We want to make the most yeah. of our gardens, and, and we couldn't. Yes. Uh, uh, when I was looking on your website, a feature that you, I've seen you've added, the drive-through compost sales. Yeah, so we it's been you know, something that maybe has been in the back of our heads. And then because of social distancing, you know, we do a lot of car carries where, you know, some of our team carry compost out to people's cars, you know, in, mm-hmm. in trolleys. And we thought, actually, if we do a compost drive-through, that's another way to, um, you know, keep people apart. And it's been so successful that we've, we're now committed to keeping it as a permanent feature. Um, so it has taken up some of our car park spaces, but it just works so well that, you know, we're, we're keeping it. And I'm, I'm not, I think there may be one or two other garden centres that do it, but it's certainly not not commonplace. Um, and it's brilliant, you know, so you, you rock up, there's a big price list, a bit like a McDonald's kind of um, <laughs> price pricing board. Um, and one of our team comes to the window, it takes your order, you pay, um, you know, contactless and then you drive a bit further down and someone puts it in the back for you they you know so you don't even need to get out of the car which is fantastic and i think it's just a really good example of an innovation that maybe we wouldn't have done had it not been for lockdown we yeah. also opened a cafe in our greenhouse we've been wanting to do a pop-up kind of cafe for a while because our coffee shop was so um oversubscribed big queues all the time but again it was quite a big investment and actually because of lockdown it, it felt like it was the right time to do it so i think there are some positives that have come out of it not that i mm, want yeah. to do it again but you have, <laughs> you have to look at the silver linings um of, of these things and i think you know we've also been pleased with the reaction to the fact that we've had really good social distancing and kind of safety standards compared to some other retailers you know people said from the beginning they felt really safe shopping with us you know yeah. it's a, it, there's lots of outside space it's well ventilated we've got lots of rules we you know we uphold them so there's there's we feel like the local community has really supported us and we've supported them, you know, so it's kind yeah. of a two-way thing, really. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel that your customers are now coming more for the actual gardening side of things? Because I always felt quite often before lockdown, people would often just go up either for the calf or for a day mm. trip out. Yeah, I think definitely there's more, there's a higher percentage of people are going out the door with a full trolley at the moment yeah. absolutely because we're not getting for obvious reasons, we're doing takeaway in our coffee shop but people aren't coming in for that specifically they're getting that while they're there for for a shop um so i think people are still you know where people we had we had customers before that would come in two three four five times a week to use the coffee shop so obviously mm. they're not they're not in and i think people are doing fewer visits and they're doing bigger shops right. as, as well i mean it, you know it is a lovely place to shop. So I think there are people that are still coming in just to get a couple of things, but definitely not at the level they were. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I did hear in the news just the other day that uh, garden centers are 
running low on stock. And mm. the message was run out and buy everything that you need right away. <laughs> don't panic. No. <laughs> we don't want any panic buying. Um, so most of our suppliers are doing an absolutely fantastic job. And most of them have really stepped up um, and they've managed to keep us supplied. I think in the next few months it's going to be interesting there will be things that um, possibly start to run out we're in quite a good position because we pre-buy quite a lot what's called pre-season so we get a lot of stock in in kind of December January February for the spring season I think the garden centres that are smaller that don't have so much storage space are going to be the ones that have the gaps more quickly or maybe they're the garden centres that have their cash flows not so good so they're kind of topping up regularly whereas we get a lot in I mean we've got a lot of compost for example stored on various sites so we're not going to run out of that for, for a while and with the problems we saw last year we kind of predicted this and we brought ahead but certainly things like furniture we're taking a lot of orders of furniture that isn't in yet and we can't guarantee you know we've said to people you can have a refund if it doesn't turn up we, we don't know when it's going to turn up actually we have had another container was due to arrive this week. I don't know if it has. Um, we've seen some products like larger bottles of chemicals. There's actually a shortage of plastic bottles. So the suppliers are struggling to get plastic bottles, so they then got nothing to fill. Um, wow. So that's quite that's quite an interesting one. I know um, muck boots have been out for of stock for quite a long time. And and you know, we'll put orders in and only half of it will turn up. Or normally there's a week lead time and now there's a four week lead time. So we're ordering as much as we can because we've got good cash flow. We're, you know, stable business. So when we put orders in, orders in, orders in, but we can't be sure of what's going to turn up. So I think for the moment, there may be specific things that people turn up and can't get, but in apart from wellies, you know, that there's generally cho- other choices. Um, yeah. There might be a smaller packet or a different brand or something like that, but possibly in the months to come, you may find. It, it gets harder um on the plant side um british nurseries a couple of weeks ago were really struggling to get they'd kind of sold out virtually um availability lists were or certainly our suppliers availability lists were going up online and if you didn't order it within a couple of hours it was completely gone wow um dutch suppliers have been a bit better but we've seen plants coming in are much smaller than normal they're not as fully grown as they would normally be because nurseries are getting them out as soon as they've got a tiny bit of root you know they're going out so that's going to be interesting to see what the quality um is like over the next few weeks and months but um it's still it's still good enough and obviously we've got a um, big kind of holding areas where we can hold stock and grow it on a bit if, if we think it needs it anyway and then we've got our own production nursery so we have ramped up production there because we knew we we thought that demand would be higher this year and we thought that um suppliers would struggle so we've really ramped up the production. And because we've got our second garden centre that we bought a couple of years ago, we've brought back some of that nursery area into production. So there's a huge greenhouse over there that last year we didn't have access to. We spent quite a lot of money um, reglazing it, clearing the brambles out. It was, you know, it was, it was that bad. So we filled that with plants. And that nice. means we can propagate stuff at our Tiptree site, transfer it over to Sudbury, grow it on and then sell it at Sudbury or bring it back to Tiptree. So the, the nursery team is, is yeah, go, those machines are going five days a week, yeah. um, you know, eight days to five, the potting machines, the transplanting machines, just to get that stock through. So, yeah, we're, we're not going to run out of bedding plants, but I think, again, other garden centres that don't grow their own may struggle. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear people blaming a number of reasons, but what 
I personally like that you're doing is growing everything or growing as much as you can in house in order to sell it to the public, which mm. from a, I guess from an ecological point of view, there's far less carbon footprint in those plants mm. doing that as well. Oh, def- definitely. Um, so we only grow bedding plants <clears throat> and a few other bits and pieces, but it's primarily bedding plants. Um, they are the easier the easier crops and that's the kind of background that we've got in, in growing those crops as well so the ones we buy in are the the hardy stock the shrubs the trees the perennials thing, things like that and actually what we say is sometimes when we buy in from holland it's actually closer the nurseries are closer to us in east anglia than a nursery up in scotland or northern england would be now yes obviously they've come across on the ferry etc but you know in terms of miles actually they're pretty close to, to where we're based <laughs> over here that's that's actually quite an interesting way of looking at it and it's yeah. completely true anyway what you're really here to talk about is your your own website cactussurgeon.com and uh, well, i'll let you explain a bit about what's going on there yeah so it's the cactussurgeon.com the cactussurgeon yeah so when i was six um i wanted to be a cactus surgeon so i remember sitting um, at the kitchen table with the windowsill next to me and spotting that cactus had gone a bit rotten and thinking, oh, if I chop that bit off or gouge that bit out, maybe it will come back to life. So that's where the name comes from. And it's quite it's quite a unique name. So I thought it worked quite well for social media. <laughs> um, the reason I have set up a website is because 12 years ago, I lived in London. After leaving school, I went to do a degree in horticulture at Reading University, um, left there and wanted to stay in horticulture but didn't want to go back to into family business, wanted to go and do my own thing, have, have my own success, and realised that a lot of the horticulture jobs were kind of out in the sticks. All my friends were in London, so I thought, oh, I'll go and live there for a couple of years and see, see what happens, and um, I ended up for, t- for 10 years, and I worked in um, a couple of PR and marketing roles. So, yeah, <laughs> I was living, living in London, um, had a couple of PR and marketing roles, and I was working really hard I was working from like eight in the morning to eight in the afternoon and I was playing hard as well there was a lot of drinking you know going out without eating just not really looking after myself and I essentially burnt out and the way that manifested itself is that I started to get twitches in my body so it started kind of when when I was going to sleep I would would kind of twitch my whole torso and then they got more and more prevalent Um, and the the journey to diagnosis was quite long I was referred to a neurology department and I had to have an MRI and an EG and all these kind of things. And it was quite stressful and the stress of it made the symptoms much worse. Um, so I got a tremor in my right hand and at its worst, the twitches would be activated by sound. So loud noises, um, fireworks um, and even touch. So at its worst, I would, every time I walked, every time the soles of my feet went on the ground, my whole body was moving my arms were kind of out I called my, you know I describe it now as looking like a kind of strange um, air drummer with with no rhythm um, and even touching a piece of paper I remember being in a restaurant and picking a menu up and it and it, and it going um, and as I said there was quite a few months until I was eventually diagnosed um, the neurology department actually um, told me there was nothing wrong with me which was quite upsetting because there was something wrong with me, but it, there was nothing that would show up on tests. Yeah. They then sent it to a neuropsychiatrist, and he described it as a functional movement disorder. And what that means is that there's nothing structural wrong. 
So nothing shows up in the MRI or the tests they've got at the moment don't show it up. Um, I'm not convinced. You know, there's a lot of new research that's come out that there is something going on. But the tests 12 years ago, nothing was showing up. So they call it a functional um, disorder in, in the same way that IBS is a functional problem with your stomach. Um, yeah. It's not that your stomach is structurally wrong. It's that the brain is sending the wrong signals almost and overreacting to certain foods, etc. And that's exactly what was happening um, to me. It was extremely stressful, as you can imagine. I was signed off work, um, I think, for six months. And then I went back part time and, and worked from home. I was living in a flat not far from the River Thames um, in South London. And there was a few things that helped me out at the time. So acupuncture, counselling, craniosteopathy. But the fourth thing, um, which is the thing I'm really passionate about talking about, is how nature and plants help me to heal. The main thing is they gave me a reason to get out of the flat. So I started going for a daily walk, which, again, with the twitches being activated by walking was not an easy thing to do. And I was, you know, I was low. I was depressed. I was on my own in the flat a lot of the time. But I decided to take one good photo every day. And sometimes those photos were of boats and of ropes on the quay or whatever it was. But the ones that really got me interested and got me out of the flat were the plants. So, you know, small details that other people in their hurry to get to work would, would miss. Um, you know, weeds growing in the cracks of a pavement, water droplets on a leaf, lichen, I don't know, vegetables growing on a houseboat, the wisteria coming out in the spring. Whatever it was, it gave me, it gave me a reason to get out of the flat, as I say. It distracted me from my negative thoughts. So anyone who's ever had depression or anxiety or anything like that knows that it can downward spiral quite quickly. And actually, you need something that gets you out of your head because otherwise it, it just gets worse. And that's what nature and plants. And I think a lot of people find that with, with gardening, don't they? Um, or, or growing veg or house plants. Yeah. It gives yeah. you something to look after, something to focus on. It meant I had something to talk about. You know, I could tell my boyfriend at the time um, what I'd seen that day. I could ring my mum and dad and not talk about how ill I was. You know, so it became really important. And actually, um, I started last December, I started writing a book um, about my life. I was kind of thinking it would be a memoir about growing up in a garden centre, which it partly is. But actually, the thing that came through that I really suddenly had this compulsion to write about was my illness and how nature helped me so what I've started doing on the website and on um, the Facebook group and some social media is using my story to help other people that may be going through um, difficult things in their life and talking about the power of nature um, and how it can help help you and it, in kind of looking back and reflecting I've realized how important that was to, to my own journey yeah, and that's not an unusual story to hear people using nature or gardening mm. to help them. I know when I suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder, and mm. listeners will know I've mentioned this many times now, for me, gardening was just one of the tools, but probably the yeah. one tool that had the most effect to get out of that post-traumatic stress disorder syndrome. Yeah. And, and you're right, it, it was that positivity that, 
that reason to go out or to do something, or even just mm. to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Get to get dressed. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hair. I've been looking on your website and I've seen some of the photos you've taken. Mm. And again, you were right that a lot of them are the things that we broadcast, we miss. Mm -hmm. The birds, there's a lot mm -hmm. of birds that you mentioned, and yeah. they're everywhere. And they, they are. They are. And I, I think by slowing down and focusing and listening, and watching, yeah. you know, so when I go, I've got an eight-year-old daughter, um, you know, she's found the last year really tough um, with lockdown. She doesn't want to get outside, but when she does get outside, we slow down, we notice things, and now she repeats it back to me. She's the one saying, Mommy, look at that lichen on that branch, that's amazing. Oh, stop, I think I saw a nuthatch or tree keeper or creeper or whatever it is. Um, and it's wonderful because, and she starts skipping along and suddenly her fears and her worries are just kind of disappeared. I think, and I've heard this a lot from other people in, you know, on social media. Or um, I recently released an ebook, which is a short sample of the memoir that's going to come out later in the year. And I've had people contact me and say, "Yes, I can absolutely relate to that feeling." You know, um, I've suffered bereavements, and I've always gone for walks as a way to process my thoughts. And I always end up near the water. For, for me, that's really calming. Um, you know, or other people saying, "Do you know what? Actually, I've got FND." functional neurological disorder maybe i'll buy a couple of houseplants that'll give me something to focus on you know and it's when you start talking about it these stories come out um mm. and it, it's it's brilliant and then if you can just help a few people a little bit with whatever they're going through then that that's what i'd like to do you know that that makes me happy that i can i can share my story and, and yeah you know try and do that now on your path to recovery was there mm. any one particular point that sticks out in your mind when you you felt like you had came around the corner or felt like you were getting somewhere it's funny because i don't you know when you look back on an experience you remember certain points but you don't remember and actually when i look back at the i read reread the letters that i'd had from neurology and from the psychiatrist and things like that and i was quite surprised at how long a period it was in my mind you know it wasn't that long in terms of the recovery, I suppose going back to work was quite a big milestone, even though I was um, doing it from home. I suppose having my daughter, getting married, you know, being, you know, going back into the family business, you know, being able to be a company director. I suppose everything I've achieved since, I don't take that lightly um, because I know that it, it might not have happened like that. So, no, I, I don't I can't really think I don't remember waking up and the twitches had gone. I, I, I don't really have a sense of how long that took and what, what how it happened that I haven't, sure. it hasn't stuck in my head in a weird way. <laughs> oh, no, I, I would say that's weird. I think it's, again, relating back to my PTSD. It, there wasn't any time that I just woke up and I felt, yeah, I'm fine now. It was yeah, it's quite very, gradual, isn't it? Sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Although I would probably say there were times I, I knew when I was working in the garden that I realised I'd forgotten about my problems. Yes, I think that's right. I think when the when the bad thoughts suddenly become smaller than the good thoughts, I think that's that's the time when you, you think, actually, I can, I can, I can do this. Um, and I think maybe for me, fatigue has always been an issue and continues to be a bit of a struggle. I have to really be careful about what I do. Um, but it doesn't rule my life like like it did once. And I think when you get to the point where you can go out on a night out and not be overly anxious about it, um, then that's a, a really big step forward. 
And I've got to say, I'm getting help in the garden as well, you know. Having somebody to work in a garden and talk about these sort of things, just while you're doing your own gardening mm. thing, really does go a long way to help as well. I think there's something about talking to someone when you're not looking at them. So I find, yeah. for example, my daughter, sometimes the things come out when we're sat in the car and she's in the back and I'm in the front. Or if you're walking, walking's a brilliant one because you're side by side. You're not looking at each other. It's easier to talk. And I think gardening's the same. Now, if there's a couple of you weeding um, or whatever it is, it, I don't know, it, it makes it easier than sat in a room across a kitchen table, which can be a bit daunting sometimes, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wonder if it's sometimes the distraction as well, that mm. you're not concentrating on the, yep. the, the discussion. Yeah, and sometimes that's when the, the useful stuff pops out of your subconscious that you weren't actually really aware of until you said it out loud. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I've got to say, this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation this evening, and uh, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. If anybody wants to contact you or find out more, where do they head to? Yep, so the website is a good place, thecactussurgeon.com. And as I say, I've got this free ebook at the moment. So anyone that signs up for my newsletter before the end of June gets a free copy. Um, and that's all about my route to, to diagnosis, much more detail than I've, than I've gone into this um, today. Um, and, how, you know, how I started to get better as well. So it'll give you a, a taste of my kind of book that's coming out in the autumn. Um, and I'm on social media. So if you go on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, maybe not LinkedIn, actually, because I tend to only connect with people I've actually worked with. But the, the other three, go on there, search for the cactus surgeon. There is only one. There is me. Um, and, yeah, connect. And I'd love – I mean, I'm really happy to chat to people that are interested to learn more as, as well because I think it's um, a great way to, to raise awareness of, of FND and, and help people. Well, I'll be adding all the links to various ways to contact Hannah in the show notes for this podcast. If you didn't manage to take it down, just head to the vegpodcast.co.uk and find it on the blog post. I'd like to thank Hannah for sharing her story with us and also for letting us know a bit about the garden centre situation at the moment. Always interesting to find out how the industry is going from our perspective. Now, added to that, if you have a passion for gardening and you want to share with us, please do get in touch. Let me know how gardening has helped you or anything like that. I'm always fascinated to hear any stories. Now, to get in touch, you can email me, richard at uk. You can visit the website, uk. leave a comment or leave a voicemail with our voicemail service we have on there. Or you can find me on social media. Just search for The VegGrowl Podcast in whatever social social media you may have well that is it for this week we'll be back again next week with our rundown for seeds to sow throughout may and a list of jobs to do throughout may that's next week so until then please take care 